You already know about Jesus. Either he lives in your heart or he doesn't. Every woman wants choices. But in the end, none wants to be one of a hundred in a box. She's unique. She makes the choices and she's chosen him. She wants to tell the world he's mine. He belongs to me, not you. She marks her man with her lips. He is her possession. You've given every girl that wears your lipstick the gift of total ownership. Sit down. No. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of Nick's Nonfiction. I'm your host, comic Nick Munez. Today on the show, we have the apex of advertisement. This is Al Rise. His rise to fame with the 22 immutable laws of marketing. Break these laws and the marketing police will be at your door with a no-knock raid and a baton. This is an older read. It's from the 1970s. It's like these uh, articles that your grandma will send you a listicle. The five biggest benefits to going to sleep at 3 p.m. Al Rise knew that this was more than a fad. It's a trend. It is from 1993. And it's your usual hybrid of self-empowerment and business jargon. We're going to put it into the layman's terms today in 22 quick laws. Billions of dollars a year are spent on marketing and mostly ineffectively. Even if you have a superior or a perfect product design, it can fail due to timing or to underexposure. In Al's time, GM and IBM were all of the brightest minds flocked to. And this was when we feared corporate power, and now we just fear corporate incompetence. Oh no, Jeff Bezos, his drone's fleet is down today? It's not like we care that he's in control of the entire supply chain. We just want them to be competent now. More money in their pocket. Al Rise, he's qualified. He came up with the name positioning, like the marketing term where you just base your product off the leader. It's like benchmarking, but the academia, you could just coin your own phrase and put it in a research paper. And now apparently you have some credibility. And Al Rise, he made us this fun read for today. It's just a... It's an architectural masterpiece. He built a pretty sound argument, and he's saying if you don't abide by one of these laws, your entire cathedral will come falling to the ground. It's just like a flaw within architecture. You gotta make sure all of your facets of marketing are fastidiously tucked away. He wrote it with his boy. I don't remember who it was. They're just two Connecticut kids. They found these holy stone tablets at the top of their building in Stanford given to them by God, the commandments of marketing. 25 years Al Rise was in the marketplace. He saw the madmen, the like age of advertisements. This is all of his life's work put into 22 quick laws. So violate these at your own risk or rather demise. About the author Al Rise, not a lot about him online. He was born in the late 1930s, <laughs> one of the few sentient beings around for World War II. Still here, Rise graduated from DePaul University as a mathematics major in 1950. He accepted a position from there at GE, General Electric, before founding his own advertising agency in New York City. He considers himself an American marketing professional and author. He co-found the Atlanta-based consulting firm Rise and Rise with his partner and daughter Laura Rise. It's probably like Reese, 
or something, I say every name wrong. Just be grateful I'm not saying Reisenberg. I invented the laws of marketing. Do I get a kickback? Where's my copyright? Your rabbi probably has more commandments for Moses about how to grow your 401k. He wrote this along with Jack Trout was the other guy, and the two of them are credited with the idea of positioning in the field of marketing. And this is their claim to fame in the economics realm. Everyone took them serious after they accepted this theory. Jack Trout, he made his own three-part series of articles called Advertising Age, written in 1972. Maybe read that one on your own time. And in 1981, Positioning the Battle for Your Mind was another Al Rise book. It's kind of repetitive, so I boiled it down to 12 chapters today. It's going to be a fun show. We're keeping it light. Law number one. Actually, let me plug something real quick. Uh, hit the Patreon page. That's where we're going to be next week. That's going to be a silly episode. Check out Harry Shit on Instagram or just search The Niche on YouTube on Instagram and you're getting free memes every night. It's a good laugh. And happy holidays, ma truckers. Law 1, the law of leadership. If you're a buffalo or a gazelle or some sort of herd animal, a human, you're always going to want to be at the front of the pack as to avoid getting picked off. In advertising, it's better to be first than it is to be better gotta be the trailblazer you always are thinking when you see somebody who's doing the thing making their video blog i could do that better you know i could definitely put a better show together it doesn't matter if you actually could that person did it first they're the one who's actually already doing it many people think marketing is convincing your clientele our product is the most superior the most posh al says this is Couldn't be further from the truth, especially if you're a smaller market share and you are cornering the higher-end part of the market. If you ain't first, you're last. He demonstrated this law by, ask yourself, who was the first person to fly the Atlantic solo? It's Charles Lindenberg, right? Now what's the name of the second person to do it? No, nobody knows this unless you're a pilot. Bert Hinkler was the second. He did it faster than Lindbergh, consumed less fuel than Lindbergh, and he left dead weight in Europe. He abandoned his wife over there before flying to America. Second guy to ever do it. Faster, cheaper. All of the pilots nowadays, they call it the Hinkler Highway, the fastest way from America to Europe. Nobody remembers this guy's name. You remember Lindenberg, who did it first, and he was financed by all the auto engineers, Ford, uh, who built all the engines for World War I and World War II planes. Lindbergh, he set up like a big old landing party in Paris. We, we will have hookers. You will smell the stinky cheese from over the Atlantic. He set up a bigger commercial reveal. Lindbergh knew how to market. It almost doesn't matter who the leading brand in the public domain is. They are always received as first. Like Coca-Cola. Nobody knows who was making sodas before Coca-Cola now. They are so many generations deep that we're just like, yeah, the first soda, Coke. Hertz, they weren't the first rent-a-car company, but they just adopted that. Playboy came before Penthouse. I mean, they just beat him out for real. Beat it, beat it. IBM, they came before uh, personal computers. Who came first? It's not the old nursery rhyme. First is the worst, second is the best. Get that out of the marketing domain. I always got confused by that. Third is the one with the hairy chest. 
I always thought it was like a treasure chest, but it had hair on it. A hairy chest, no? After World War II, Heineken was the first imported beer to the U.S. The first. There are over 450 imported brands of beer now, and surely one of those tastes better than a Heineken, which I love. But that doesn't matter. 30 years after World War II, Heineken still held 30% of the market share. Miller Lite, they were the first one to say a domestic American draft. And in the 90s, they still had the biggest share of domestic beer. One that everyone gets wrong. It's like an urban legend. What's the first college in America? Yes, Harvard. Negative. That is William and Mary, Princeton in New Jersey. Jeep is marketed as the first off-road four-wheel vehicle. Now it's just an overpriced brand name. You saw they had old jalopies in World War I that were four-wheel drive. Jeep stood for general purpose in World War II, so it just had a catchy name. You gotta watch these old videos. They made, like, bump strips at the airports where they would test the Jeeps, and there's guys, you could picture them listening to Lowrider, and they're in the Jeep testing out the shocks. We read on the road, Old Bull Lee, this guy stormed Normandy, he said the Jeeps there had bulletproof tires. I don't know what kind of cars we're making now. As long as you're first now, you could sell people cheap plastic carbon fiber vehicles that crumple on impact. What happened to this old American steel? Eventually, wrapping up the law of first, name becomes generic with the product. You know, Xerox this post-it note for me and then scotch tape it to your PC. Those are all just product names. And if you are one of the first people to come up with a name, you can get your lawyers slinging cease and desists. If you are the second leading brand of sticky paper and you try to say we are the best posted around, you are going to be sued into the hell realm. Monsanto advertised Advil as the first over-the-counter ibuprofen and they advertised Tylenol as the first Sudafed. They just stole both sides of the market. They gave it two names. They're both pain relief, bad for you, causing inflammation. Take some CBD. It's non-psychoactive. If you own both sides, you can amount to a monopoly of market shares. That is true mastery. Successful industry men will get better at this benchmarking, putting themselves first. Chapter 2, The Law of Category. This is... A branch off of the benchmarking tree, you're setting up the category that you are the best in, but it can't be too niche. Remember that purple ketchup company? There's not a very high demand for purple ketchup. It kind of freaked people out. That was way too specific. When Heinz ketchup was growing, they took whatever the leading brand was at the time and they marketed as thicker so it could be one word that you could use to put yourself in a new category from the leader. Do you know? You probably don't even know you do. The third person to fly across the Atlantic solo. It's Amelia Earhart. And she's not known as the third person to do it. She's known as the first woman to do it. So just be the first in your own little domain. Make something up. When Heineken was growing as the import, Anheuser-Busch should have said... We need an import too. Let's take um, Amstel Light or something. That came in later in the game. What Anheuser-Busch did, they go, Michelob Ultra is born. And they started selling that as an import. And 
Heineken still outsells them two to one. They should have made their own category, was Rise's point. Carlsberg then became their biggest import and never went anywhere in America. It's still pretty big in Europe. Again, we got 450 imports. In Denver, they have these local bars where you got 40 beers on tap and it's only people around town. <laughs> There's 7 billion people out here. It's not as simple anymore. A lot of people brewing in their closets. My freshman roommate used to brew beer. We would drink piss-warm beer that he made next to his socks. <laughs> Let's keep this one short. The law of categories, IBM pearled this. They created what was called the Seven Dwarfs of Tech. Honeywell, Control Data, GE, RCA, three different ones. The only one to flourish with over 120,000 employees was RCA because they chose to categorize in mini computers. And then Dell eventually learned they went to PCs. And RCA took a bit longer to pop off, but now it's worth over 800 million. They specialize in supercomputers. They're taking the high end of that market. Law number three, the law of mind. It's better to be first in the mind of your customer than it is to be first in the marketplace. So just say, hey guys, we made this product. It's going to be on the market in two years. Just wait for it. And you know the consumers, the <laughs> people that'll like line up outside of an Apple store to camp for the newest commercial product. These motherfuckers will stay loyal to your product if you say we made it first it doesn't even have to be a real thing yet it could be in the patent office as a prototype this is the whole thing watch your thoughts they become your words watch your words they become your actions actions become habits habits become character character becomes destiny if you are in the mind of the consumer you will be their destiny <laughs> you're like setting up Manchurian candidates so when they see your brand name they snap into it your mom in this grocery store she's hearing the <laughs> the snack that smiles back why do I feel like I have to buy this goldfish they are straight up brainwashed <laughs> it works on everybody it works on me it's straight up mind tricks what is a Hobbes Thomas Hobbes called it endeavor marketing is becoming your Nietzschean operari this is straight up reptil, like your uh, root brain functions are getting hijacked to recognize a product. That is the law of mind. We still have a while to go on this. The first Dell PC was MITS, M-I-T-S Altair 880. A couple years before the Apple II was released with a better user interface, the MITS was able to take off even higher because they were advertising before. Like I said, you don't just want one big launch the day you could come out. you got to hype things up for weeks before. What's that Nintendo E3? Or maybe that's the Microsoft one. But I remember watching one of those as a kid and being psyched for what was to come. They advertised to VR for years on end, and it's not... <laughs> we overestimate tech. That's the theme of the whip clip. Check that out next week. You want to be the first one to market it to the masses, but you don't want to have the first prototype out there. People are going to assume the first computer is faulty, even though you put all of your work into your first product and it doesn't have a flaw and Apple gets slower every time you do a user update. <laughs> doesn't matter. They have the name, they have the credibility or zeitgeist hype. It's a battle of marketing. Univac made the first mainframe computer before IBM. 
IBM, they still had the name recognition, and now they're selling like air filtration systems. <laughs> you could take over many different regions of business as long as you're in the mind of the consumer. He had a cool stat here, Rise. Outside of government spending, you know, war, $4 trillion a year we spend, the most money in the world per year is waste on advertising. It's more than any other human activity. Wildlife conservation, Medicare, we are just straight up hypnotizing people. Advertising doesn't work on everybody. This was something we learned in my uh, mass communication classes. You just got to blast your message out there. You're like a drug dealer. You just got to hook a few users and you turn them into those candidates then that will eternally buy your product. It's the whole thing. It's hard to change someone's mind once it's already made up. This is first impression marketing. You got to get a good message in the mind of the Manchurian beforehand. I had this one really interesting class. I was taught by this like What's that character in The Simpsons, the comic book? Oh, well, I would need you to leave my store immediately. This was my professor. He had the biggest comic book collection on earth, and he knew the voodoo behind subconscious marketing. <laughs> this guy would talk about love marks. This is when you hijack clientele's oxytocin production. You make them feel love it activates some sort of uh, reward center in the brain when you show people certain images. You know in the Lion King DVD, there's like a naked chick on the front. You've paused it in that movie at the scene where they're kicking up dirt and it says sex in the dirt. If you look at, like that's for children even, <laughs> and for cologne advertisements, those are sexed to the gills. That is love marked out. They're playing to your emotions. The craftiest advertisers, they can create an overnight sensation by using your hormones. You've seen meme marketing is a big thing now. They're behind the curve. These corporations will take the oldest meme formula and then put their own advertisements in it. It's like a Trojan horse that's trying to spread the ideas in one big launch. The academic term meme just means idea. And that's why they use these reward centers. Funny is a good way to make people remember things. They're using that to advertise. Our precious memes have been co-opted. My head professor, this other lady, she didn't let her children watch commercials. She's going no cable even. They only did screams, whatever. She was really paranoid. This product placement is legit. You remember when you got to the grocery store? Mom, I need this. I need this. I saw it on TV. Please, 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 please. That is like your kid on some sort of drug. Totally not natural. Al said to perfect the law of mind, you got to keep the name simple, catchy, and unforgettable. Law four is going to be the law of perception. This one ties closely into the law of mind. Perception is everything. It's how people are seeing your product. Marketing, it's a battle of perception. There are no products there are no facts, there is no objective reality, there is no you, there is no me, there is only marketing. This is Al Rise's words, he is a guru of the craft. He went postmodern on us, he's going, all truth is relative to your mind, your reality is produced from the inside out. Which goes against the teachings of the English Enlightenment, you receive stimuli coming inward, 
However, he's reshaping reality around marketing here because it truly does morph the way you see the world. I like the ad busters. These are people, um, we read our second book ever on this was Bullshit Jobs. That guy got Occupy Wall Street off the ground and he is a big contributor to ad busters who go around New York City and remove ads from places. Can you imagine how much more beautiful, even if we funded like local artists to create pictures instead of... This is probably some hippie-ass idea you've heard a million times. Times Square could be a lot more humane if it wasn't like they put a camera on you and you're a giant M&M 40 feet tall. I guess it's kind of cool. doesn't all have to be about advertising, but that's the reality you need to create to keep people in a consumer mindset. In that movie, you remember Thank You for Smoking? It was about a guy who hated cigarettes, got lung cancer, and now he's lobbying it to be illegal so you don't have to put the thing on the cigarette containers that show people with black lungs missing teeth. He's changing the perception of the cigarette. They make it cool. You know, you see everybody in 1960s Hollywood smoking. It was just a trend. It's a battle of perception, an info war, if you will. Japanese cars. In the U.S., they are ranked by popularity. It goes Honda, Toyota, then Nissan. In Japan, where quality is most revered, Honda is dead last. Toyota and Nissan are at the top. Nissan, a number one in honor. If I told you that someone in New York got a Honda, they would go, What do you got, an Accord, a Civic, a Prelude? In Japan, they say, what a CC. They ask different questions based on the quality of the vehicle, not the brand. We are very heavy brand central in America. I can't put it any better than John Carpenter. He makes some good spooky movies. His documentary, They Live, (laughs) the guy puts on the secret sunglasses and every time he sees an advertisement a billboard it says obey reproduce pay your taxes he sees beyond the advertisements like i said it works on a good amount of people and it could time after time what's that quote if you tell a lie long enough you keep repeating it it eventually becomes true this is again another post-truth era (laughs) but it works works on a lot of people sounds like i'm dying When your friend's car breaks down, you avoid that make and model forever. This is your perception on that vehicle now. Now my voice is cracking round two puberty. Perception is greater than the product. (laughs) That law was cursed. Law five, the law of focus. The most powerful concept in marketing is owning a word in the prospect's mind. Goes back to the Manchurian candidate thing. When they hear smiling snack they snap into goldfish rise said not to have it be a complicated word or an invented word just a few syllables plucked from the dictionary that works best sham wow billy mays here with the sham wow the slap chop those are great syllables watch this you're gonna love my nuts slap chop you're gonna love your life one chop at a time again that guy was a fucking genius you're gonna love your life one chop at a time (laughs) fedex originally blew up using the word overnight amazon is now synonymous with prime or same day ibm created the word computer i guess they didn't hang on to that one too well i like this one your iphone 
the law of focus. We now focus phones with iPhones. You ask a kid to pantomime their phone, and they hold out their palm to their face and press it with another finger. They're going, you have your phone from across the classroom. They look at their palm. I'm still doing the thumb to the ear, pinky to the mouth. Hang 10, brah. That's how I pantomime a phone. This is the law of focus. We are now that much indoctrinated with the smartphone that we have forgotten about the landline. I guess you could say it's obsolete, but not if you're a drug dealer who needs a burner. Focus. It's all about creating this one magic word. Prego was the sauce boss. They used to have 27% of the market. And then Ragu strolled into town and they used thicker, just like the ketchup thing before. People just want some contrast from the top. If you're not first, you could take that single adjective that the leading brand has as a weakness and make it your strong point. Crest wound up becoming Cavities, Mercedes Engineering, Volvo Safety, Subaru is Love. They made that one really good. They're not even trying to hide the love mark. In Colorado, everybody is obsessed with their Subaru. I'm going to take my Subi up with my Burmese mountain dogsies up to the top of Longsies Peaksies. <laughs> it's like they'll start marketing for you if you just start it with a good enough word. Atari, they didn't follow this rule. Think about it. They were first in the video game domain. They could have friggin' owned that, been kings. They once owned the word video game. <laughs> and they tried to go down the computer route. PC gamers, friggin' nerds. They were in the age of arcades. How could you throw the game that hard? Nintendo is now a multi-billion dollar company. I'm pretty sure Nintendo was supposed to sponsor the 2020 Olympics. <laughs> Another big loss for the year 2020. They're stingy with the copyrights, Nintendo. That could have taken them to an entire new level. You know, people would still buy those little stuffed animals from the Sochi Olympics where the Russians were smuggling piss underground. <laughs> it's a love mark. People want to see these things. Nintendo could have taken it to a new level, and then I think we'll talk about them a little more later. Words. Language shapes the way we think. If you know more languages, you know how to think conceptually. Manipulating a word into focus is Yoda-level marketing. It takes us to Law 6, the law of exclusivity. What was it, Groucho Marx? He said, I wouldn't want to be part of a club that would allow me to be a member. You gotta be a little bit exclusive. I used to use a bit about heaven, way too exclusive. I'm gonna see every single hobo I pass by up in heaven. Can't we have a classist heaven? Or is that just the Jewish afterlife? This one, exclusivity, this is in that 48 Laws of Power book, the antisocial psychopath book. <laughs> Al is saying, perception is everything before you got to be exclusive enough. Al said two companies can't control the same real estate in a prospect's mind. You have to, again, you can't allow somebody else into your fight. It's a turf war out there. Whoever is second is now attempting to assimilate with the leader. So just assume you are the only one that's allowed in town if you are first. Al Rise said if Atari did call themselves a gaming computer, it maybe could have been the biggest platform the Earth had ever seen. We would have already been in Ready Player One. The way to reinforce your position is by making it more important exclusivity. FedEx used to say, hey, remember waiting for packages? 
that was lame. We don't make you do that. Be part of our club. And then DHL came up by saying, we are worldwide. That's not too exclusive. You don't hear about DHL anymore. FedEx was able to come into the game by doing universal letters as well as packages. Because there's no, like, global (laughs) postal service that's nationalized. They got a monopoly on it. And now, funded by the government, Amazon was able to wipe all of these off the map because they vertically integrated. Now they have the distributor, the warehouse, they have everything they need. The delivery drivers, they're not paying a living wage. You gotta pee in bottles if you work in the factory. It's cutthroat. That is exclusive. That's how you do it, Bezos. Al Rise warned, beware of what you are exclusive about. When Burger King started, they were saying, we are the fast, fast food. And is that how you want to pigeonhole yourself now you have unsanitary impatient clientele and then those people aren't exactly in the most positive state of mind they're gonna write you the worst reviews that's a negative feedback loop be exclusive about your best products being fast isn't always good you want to be first in the market not the first to undercook a hamburger the law of exclusivity will slowly strangle your product to death if it's not observed chapter seven this is the law of the ladder. He's basically saying you got to create the hierarchy in the consumer's mind. Put yourself at the rung where you realistically see yourself. Even if price is what you are categorizing yourself as, we are the cheapest product. Okay, own it. Go to the 99 cent store. All products are not created equal. The customers will eventually create their own hierarchy in their head if you don't do it for them. For car rentals, Hertz, remember they were first, Avis was second, and National was third. And if you're not in the top three, you're basically non-existent, is one of the later laws. Fox is now one of the players in the car rental game. I've rented from Fox before. They are truly owning that they are the bottom rung. Avis, they secured the second spot by making their motto, We Try Harder. They were acknowledging there's already someone who's number one. We try harder. You don't have to say who you're trying harder than. People understand. Avis, they lost money for decades until eventually they hit the number two spot for putting the effort in. Fox, (laughs) their fucking thing should be we try less hard. You walk in there, "Mm -hmm, what you got, honey, an SUV? They throw a pair of keys at you and they literally say, head on back. Whatever car suits your fancy, take it. (laughs) products who are high interest or these products are used daily there are going to be more rungs on the ladder like if you're buying spaceships you can be boeing or skunk works like you don't have to be a lockheed probably is the other one if this is a once in a lifetime product there's only going to be room for a couple rungs on the ladder that's going to be a stepping ladder This is where he mentioned the magic numbers. This guy's into gematria. He said the three leading brands are the holy grail. If you're below seventh, you might as well forfeit. Phone numbers are uh, seven digits, the seven wonders of the world. People play seven card stud. We remember groups of seven. I'm not sure if this guy just likes to gamble, but he's saying it's uh, magic. We know how to remember things in that cadence. 7-Eleven, they're the most abundant franchise on planet Earth. There's more that than McDonald's. 
Maybe there is some magic in that seven. I bet when aliens come by, they're driving by Earth. Mom, can we please stop for an Earth Slurpee? 7-Eleven. Baby, they leaned into that sugar water. I'm all about a Slurpee. What do they have? If you mix a little bit of the Coke with the cherry, you got yourself a cherry Coke. I remember one time there was a vanilla Coke one of the stores did. Haven't gotten a full night's sleep since I had one of those. 7-Up? Why are they better than Sprite or Sierra Mist? 7-Up? It's not that good of a soda. McDonald's Sprite? That's what makes the beat slap, baby. (laughs) That shit is spicy. 7-Up was also that uh, game, the childhood game of snitching on one another. (laughs) It was basically for the teacher who could see who was looking at the people's feet that are walking by underneath. That was a game of snitchery. And then you could interrogate people. You go down the line. Listen, Betty, I know you wanted to touch my hand. Did you touch me? Did you look me in the eye? Did you touch me? 7-Up, that was a great game. (laughs) Law of the ladder, baby. 7-Up was not equal to recess. It's going to bring us to Law 8, the law of duality. If you're far enough into a business, if you are the soda game, you know you're 100 years in. Eventually, it becomes a two-horse race. Like a horse race. People are fighting right out of the gates to be first, and then more people drop off, and it's a usually two-horse race. Nike Adidas, Kodak Fuji, uh, Duracell Energizer, Coke, Pepsi, Crest, Colgate. You can definitely play into this. If Coke is starting to run away with 80% of the market, Pepsi, again, they use the law of benchmarking, whatever it was before. Less sweet. Just say you are X different from the leader. RC Cola, what are you, are you even trying? And it's not bad to be the third party. Verizon and T-Mobile, they're getting dragged through the muck with the FCC Egypt pie and having to lay down cable in foreign countries. It's okay to be the third person. Sprint, they hold 9% of the market and they make $6 billion a year. <laughs> it's not always an available place, but it's good to be. Put your soda in the hood. You could be RC Cola and you're making good money. RC Cola is not bad. When it was uh, Nintendo and Sega, Nintendo had 75% of the market, and they let Xbox and PlayStation, 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 (laughs) Nintendo decided to market themselves to kids. We're not going to make R-rated games. You shot yourself in the foot. They still hold on to less than a third of the market. It's a pretty good place to be. You get to play with all the new tech, and you don't have to deal with racist people in your (laughs) xbox live party communities i got banned my username got banned from xbox a couple of years ago they're censoring that shit just be nintendo you don't have to be one of the top players who's gonna get bogged into the government swamp because they want a piece of the pie too let's hit law number nine the law of opposite kind of like the law of duality you just got to take the opposing view If you're shooting for second place, your strategy is already determined by the leader. That's why it's great to be first. You could create your own product. If there is a leading brand, you are always going to be looked at in its shadow. No matter how strong your product is, even if it is better, you ain't it. Think about the law of opposite cheese zits. Those are the ones with the commercials where it's the wheel of cheese talking to the scientist those are silly commercials and they taste good cheese it is actually burnt you could see it's oven baked it's got sea salt on it beautiful cracker 
cheese nips. I'd rather get nip tucked than eat a whole box of cheese nips. Those things are awful. It tastes like you're eating orange goo straight out of a factory. <laughs> Those are straight up opposites, but same, somehow cheese nips is able to keep up. They uh, usually co-op with like animation. You know, they have like the Scooby-Doo snacks. That's a good way to stay in the game if you aren't just known for being Welsh's fruit snacks. The second person can always play the law of the opposite. Coca-Cola, it's a hundred-year-old formula. They say only seven human eyes have ever seen the recipe. So does that mean a guy with an eye patch was looking at... <laughs> what the fuck? That's not a good cover story. They say the Coke formula is in some safe in Atlanta, locked away tight. This year, the Atlanta protesters raided CNN. They should have raided the Coke factory. We could have all been moonshining our own soft drinks right now. <laughs> they needed to beat the duality. The They just locked away their formula so that nobody can ever be like Coke. I'm starting to think that's a psyop. Coke versus Pepsi. The Coke brothers catalyzed World War II. These guys are smarter than that. They know people like to have the illusion of choice. I'm Team Coke. I'm Team Pepsi. What's a real outsider drink? Mr. Pib. I would... I'll be a straight shooter for Mr. Pib. I'll take to the streets like a soldier. Mr. Pib has spice. It's like barbecue water, baby. <laughs> this law of opposites with the soda. I don't know. I'm kind of butthurt. Why are we so into Coca-Cola? You see people pour it on their bumper and it takes the paint off. If you leave a tooth in a glass of coke it dissolves after one day what do you think that does to your insides aspartame the uh or was it stevia i think it is aspartame that's the fake sugar that causes cancer that's what's in diet coke but again they have to give you that illusion of choice you're being healthy today you're having a diet you're having a coke zero <laughs> it's all the same shit it has worse man-made-in-a-lab chemicals have some oolong tea motherfucker it has caffeine I don't know if I'm missing something with this law of duality with race. You know, um, <laughs> like Spanish people will only ever buy Adidas. White people are addicted to REI and L.L. Bean. That's just how we think. We're binary thinking humans, most of us, most people who the advertising works on. So you could use this as a law of mind to get deep into your client's psyche. He talked about, for the law of opposites, alcohol a little bit. And Smirnoff, they know that they can't compete with triple distilled Tito's, top shelf Grey Goose, Kettle One. So they market for drunk kids. Smirnoff, hey, there's this new game where you ice people. This is amazing. I put a super ice, a 750 milliliter, in my buddy's bag in the middle of a criminal justice class. You're supposed to chug it, but he's like, this is a great beverage. Can I just sip on it? Throughout the hour lecture, this guy's sipping on a Smirnoff ice. You can position yourself to the complete opposite of a businessman who needs a couple fingers of vodka to take the edge off at the end of the night. There's a good conspiracy for you. This one is tinfoil hat. It'll ruin your reality. Did you know that Grey Goose and Kirkland vodka are bottled at the same plant? People have done online. Look it up on YouTube. Blind taste tests of Kirkland and Grey Goose. You can't tell the difference. Point is, you gotta set up the law of opposites for us binary thinking dummies. Let's go to chapter 10, the law of division. 
over time in that two horse race the leaders will have the opportunity to then divide themselves and make their own categories to sell to people to give them more the illusion of choice you're like an amoeba in a petri dish you're just taking over the goddamn colony computers went into mainframes mini computers workstations personal cpus laptops tablets smartphones they're gonna do this especially as the technology gets better look at cars there used to be chevy ford and plymouth and now you got all those luxury brands lexus acura i can't keep track same thing happened with the import and the domestic beers a hundred years ago non-alcoholic beer (laughs) you would have been laughed out of the bazaar the giant marketplace and on the boston docks if you're going are you know any of these red coats that have a non-alcoholic beer (laughs) they're gonna throw you in the stockade this pussy can't drink now it's a giant portion of the market over one percent of profits for alcohol goes to non-alcoholic alcohol it hurts my brain (laughs) media is the prime example of this law of division Rupert Murdoch, again, owns Fox and CNN. It used to just be ABC, CBS, NBC, who held 90% of the viewing audience. And then with the cable packages, they charged you more to break up into a thousand different channels. That is more choice surfing the channels as a pretty fun activity. It feels quite freeing. YouTube is slowly taking that away. True lack of a gatekeeper. That's what Division does to this cuts it smaller and smaller we talked about sprint before a tiny bit for a long time gm failed they try to make cadillac into a luxury brand which bombed for a couple decades they said and they had the capital to keep it afloat they were like this is a sexy car i don't know what's wrong with people but you're eventually gonna love this and now anybody with a cadillac is a god you just got to stick it out, especially if you have the money. Law of division is going to multiply your business exponentially. Chapter Law 11, the Law of Perspective. It's probably the most important today. Marketing effects take place over an extended period of time, and that is a long time to change someone's perspective. Coca-Cola. I'm saying the Koch brothers are involved in war. They are running some multi-generational schemes. Have you seen this new energy Coke? (laughs) They're making Coke energy drinks out here. So on top of the 300 milligrams of caffeine equal to four cups of coffee and half a day's worth of sugar, you now have 500 mils of cat. This is straight up cocaine in a bottle. They're going back to putting Coke in the Coke. Just let people do cocaine. Oregon knows what's up. If you've ever seen a... idiocracy that movie the government dumbs down people over the years the law of persistence (laughs) they start feeding the plants in the idiocracy america gatorade they're like brawny it makes the plants big and strong but i don't know why we're all dying we're living off of brown water i guarantee in 10 years they start advertising coke water people will drink it the best drink on earth i mean give me a goddamn break here you hear that ice water some condensation on the glass oh take me away baby al bought this question up for the last chapter or the last meaningful one alcohol is it a stimulant or a depressant it's up for the consumer to make their mind up on even though there is a biological answer to the gung-ho consumer 
Alcohol, it's a stimulant, man. It makes me feel alive. It lowers my inhibitions. It makes me dance with my friends. That's my best times. These are the people that are like, you know, tequila makes me dance. Whiskey makes me somber. Alcohol makes me drunk. To people who are outside of the spell of advertising, (laughs) or just like you read a study, it slows down your heart rate the entire next day. You're having negative thoughts. Depressing, if you would say. Is it a stimulant or a depressant? And this comes into the perspective. It's what part of the drug or the substance or the service even that you are marketing. It's this Yoda mind trick. By depressing your inhibitions, you feel more stimulated. And if you're uh, advertising a pharmaceutical, this drug includes... If you're advertising a drug, even though alcohol is not considered one, you have to include the side effects and the recovery side effects. So it's kind of creepy that they don't have to do that for alcohol. And think about the price. What if you had to price your drug based on the side effects? Obviously, alcohol, vodka, you feel it the next day in your head would be dirt cheap. Same with McDonald's. It feels like someone reached their hand inside of your stomach and is twisting your guts around. You don't feel good after... You got to frame the perspective to the good point. A tip here was overpricing. Like if you make your product $69.95, people are going, wow, this should probably be $50. They're not going, why isn't this just $70? Oh, five cents, thanks. It changes your point of view. Grocery stores always say that couponing doesn't negatively affect their pricing in the long run, but they are giving the perspective that you're getting one over on them. You're taking the L even though you're taking their money as well. (laughs) Go no further than your local used car salesman. You could learn everything about business of one day shadowing a car salesman. They know their biggest window to sell is the test drive. So they always say when you're driving down the highway, you start to go fast enough, the engines burn. He goes, you could see yourself driving this thing, huh? You could see yourself with a girl in this seat. They are perspective hijacking you. (laughs) This is what it's about. That is how you make a good sale. Rumor has it, what happened on uh, Flight 93 was a Saudi Arabian perspective hijacking with box cutters. (laughs) Framing is everything. Miller Lite increased their profit margin 27% in one year with the campaign It's Miller Time. And what do you think they were doing? They were sitting by a fire clinking beers saying it's Miller Time. That commercial could have just easily been a guy with a pounding headache at 11 a.m. His alarm is going off. Make it 1 p.m. He has his comforter over his head. He's in a ball. If he even moves, it feels like his brain is going to leak out of his ears. Cut to the end screen. It says, this too is Miller time. Marketing, it's not a game for amateurs. You got to frame your product. You got to know how to use all of these points to your advantage in the game again don't abide by one of these and you will be thrown in a maximum security prison (laughs) for violating the laws of marketing and we do have a law 12 this is just law popery it's number 11 through 22 i got summed up it'll be a minute long the law of candor when you admit that something is wrong with your product it brings all of the other positivity to light it's like you're admitting that you have some fallibility. Listerine once ran an ad, the taste you hate twice a day. Volkswagen, they um, said the car that'll stay ugly longer. (laughs) A lot of people think that Volkswagen is Hitler's revenge. 
He left it as how he built his tanks. You know, the Nazis, they made three V rockets. The V1 was able to go internationally. The V2 was able to go intercontinentally. And the VW, the law of failure said don't quit. It means that you're one failure closer to success. And then, of course, they never make the same mistake twice. Otherwise, that is idiocracy. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me, can't get fooled again. The Law of Acceleration. This one is about successful programs aren't built on fads. They are built on trends. Remember silly bands? I worked at a camp for five years. This was wearable technology. It took this little rubber bracelet off and then it resumed its form as an animal. I thought that one was the future. Now I'm just playing every single year, every single month, especially in this 24-hour news cycle meme culture, there's going to be fads. And if you are a reliable investor you know how to tell the difference between a fad and a trend the law of resources was without adequate funding an idea is never going to get off the ground we'll end it on this one the first super bowl cost a million and a half dollars for networks to keep on the air they took a loss to air the first super bowl and now they sell one ad slot for five times that it's like nine million dollars for 30 seconds (laughs) Even the biggest marketing event in humankind started out as a net loss, and now it's a money printer. He said these laws, they best work outside of existing organizations with a fresh start, with a new take and a new mind. This is Entrepreneurial America, Ad America, Ad America. That should have been the name of the show, baby. If you are going to have a new product, you better hope that you have an ad guy if you are going to sling some product in the United States. Thank you, Mr. Al Rise, for the 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. If you like the show today, we have got Contagion by Jonah Berger, some other business books to come in a similar fashion. And while we got the ball rolling, we are going to be doing a rapid-fire review, much like you just witnessed, next week in the Whip Clip Patreon top of the YouTube page. I'm going to be reviewing every single show that we did this year within a minute. It's going to be like a half an hour show as we keep it to on those whip clips. I'm also going to be going over how we overestimate technology. You're not allowed to go to a concert unless you get a microchip implanted in you now. And in the 1920s, we thought we were going to have flying cars. Kind of different than the Jetsons America we were expecting. It's going to be a really interesting show, so definitely check out the Patreon page. I will not be here on YouTube next week. Go watch the Jeffersonian Bible again and enjoy your Christmases. The last week, I think it's December 28th, Tuesday, is going to be our best of 2020 edition. It's going to be a really silly show. It is all the sound bites of the most lewd things that I have said. It's going to wrap up. I do uh, speak in between all of the shows, modern day me, saying how the development, it's palpable. You're going to be able to see us go through the months one at a time in the 28th of December. That's going to be the 2020 Supercut of Nick's Nonfiction. Thank you guys again for staying tuned for some laws of marketing. It was a pleasure. See you soon. Peace.